The State of Logic is a podcast dedicated to interviewing innovators and experts on topics impacting current events such as gun control, free speech, medical cannabis, and more. Their mission is to explore the logic behind people's opinions and ideas and inspire curiosity. Go ahead and check out the State of Logic podcast today. to the one, the only Remso Republic podcast coming to you from the one and only Commonwealth of Virginia broadcasting coast to coast. Thank you so much for coming back. This is the second episode of season four. You know, it's it's really weird when I say that because I met up with um, somebody that used to live in my dorm back when I was in college about probably a couple weeks ago. And we were talking about the show and everything. And he was like, you know, I remember when you brought up the fact that you were going to do this. I thought you were going to maybe last four episodes, and now we're over 100-plus episodes, and and, uh, I'm still around. Speaking of still being around, go ahead and do me a favor if you're a brand-new listener because every show is somebody's first show. Go ahead and do me an awesome favor. Very simple. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter, at Remso101. That's R-E-M-S-O-101. And if you follow me, I'll go ahead and follow you back. We'll both be one big, happy American family. A lot has gone on. We... As you know, if you've been following us on social media, we were a nominee for News and Politics for the 2017 Podcast Awards. That's as far as we got. We lost to somebody else. They, uh, I'm not going to give them free advertising, but you know, congratulations to the winners. I was perfectly fine. Wanted to go ahead and send them roses, but producer Ryan almost destroyed the studio in a motley crew-like rage. Luckily, none of the equipment was broken, just a lot of people's feelings. But it's okay. We're back and ready to talk about the things that are important to you. One of them is uh, a topic that has been kind of floating around recently. Um, Vice News back in, I want to say, oh, what was it? It was probably around October, November. They did a a pretty interesting episode talking about fake news, the rise of alternative media and everything else. And I've been seeing this since I came in in around 2014, 2015. And it's, it's such a strange world. It's such a strange world. Uh, what used to, you know, require a whole camera crew and you know a giant network to broadcast something live. I mean, kids in third world countries can take out an iPhone and go ahead and air a revolution live. It's absolutely insane. And uh, I've been pondering on this recently a lot. I went ahead and watched Netflix uh, a couple nights ago, and there was this thing that popped up in my recommended watch list, and it was called The Day I Met El Chapo. And, you know, being a good guy from Arizona, I was like, oh, I want to go ahead and see what they're talking about my neighbor and saying. So go ahead and watch it. Interesting show. Don't want to get too much into it. But long story short, I don't know if you remember this during the whole, um, you know, El Chapo Trump feud, but long story short, Sean Penn got involved. And he wanted to go ahead and film like a biography about El Chapo. For those of you that don't know, he cuts people's heads off and sells drugs for a living. And uh, long story short, he got in trouble with the Mexican federales. And next, you know, El Chapo was like, I'm coming for you, Sean Penn. And as everyone was going after him, Sean Penn tried saying, no, you can't do that. I'm a journalist. And everybody laughed at him. 
as I watched this, I was kind of laughing at him too because it's like, of course, Sean Penn's gonna now, you know, scream journalist. He's gonna scream any immunity he can get. But it is kind of strange, though. What does constitute, you know, actual journalism? What does constitute somebody that can go out and, you know, objectively report a story? Wh- who can we trust? And where is the fine line between news and opinions and commentary? Well, I don't pretend to be an expert on this at all. I do some journalistic type work, but I've never called myself one, really. So I'm glad to go ahead and bring on our guest tonight. She's over at One America News. You've seen her if you have that channel. Great network. Only one that we watch here at Team Republic. Ladies and gentlemen, Stephanie Hamill. Stephanie, how are you doing? Hi, doing well. Thank you so much for having me. So should we have sacrificed Sean Penn to El Chapo or does he make a claim for himself? I mean, the fact that he's an actor, we already know that he's a political bias and he, you know, to claim that he's a journalist is kind of absurd. I hadn't really seen him do any other work where he was out there trying to expose stories. And the interview that he did was rather, uh, it was irresponsible and dangerous. I mean, he was in a sense glamorizing El Chapo and my mom being from Mexico, you know, this, you see what happens in that country, especially if you have family that lives there. And for him in in any way to glamorize this horrible drug dealer that has terrorized the lives of Mexican citizens and people across the world, it is, it's disturbing. It's, it's absolutely insane. And, you know, we're, we're talking about this now. People are listening to this in 2018 and they're like, why does this matter? And it, it matters because what what that moment still kind of, you know, it, it rings up this concept in my head that anyone can go out there and instantly create an international incident. And with Sean Penn specifically, I mean, that that's an example that, you know, people try and bring up when they want to go ahead and discredit alternative media. They try and say, well, anyone with a blog can go ahead and call themselves a journalist and they don't have to have any training. They don't have to have any type of journalistic ethics. They can just go out and say it and somebody will believe it. With Sean Penn, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. He glamorized the guy that leaves, um, you know, heads on pikes over near Tucson. I mean, this guy's a, you know, he's a he's a narco folk hero and Sean Penn wanted to go over and just, you know, be buddy buddy with him because apparently that's the new liberal fad. It's be friends of criminals. That's why so many rap stars are saying, hey, let's go ahead and kill Trump because it glamorizes his criminal culture. But it, it gets even worse because you go ahead and you look at so many people that are peddling fake news on the left and right. Sometimes it's just absolutely fake. Sometimes they're just going ahead and putting out their opinion out there. You know, with Sean Penn, I, he was he was putting out his opinion. He was just trying to do whatever Sean Penn does. So you've got that category. And then you have people that put up just openly misleading articles. And then you have folks that are going out and they're saying, oh, I'm reporting a story. And it just, it, it just seems kind of strange because you used to have like this – you know, it's almost like a pipeline effect. You want to be a journalist? Go get a degree in journalism. Go start off as a cub reporter or something or a photographer. Work your way up. Go ahead and actually, you know, become seasoned in your trade. And then you have guys like me that just go ahead and bug people with my iPhone. <laughs> where, where's where's the line these days? Because as much as I think alternative media is serving a great cause for for citizen journalism, I don't want to sound like I'm beating it as all I at all. I want you know I I consider myself part of that movement. I do understand that you know there have to be boundaries. There have to be some ways to assess out you know the posers from the people that are actually going out and bringing you an actual story. Yeah, it's a little bit of a head scratcher when you 
try to dissect what exactly a citizen journalist is. And and it can be so many things, and there's so many names for it. I mean, just street journalism, guerrilla journalism, the list goes on. And you're right, anyone can just pick up a camera, run out there, get a story. And it it is interesting because we have the mainstream media, which is the old school media, and they don't even know how to handle citizen journalism. And you pointed out that there's people that are citizen journalists that are doing harmful things like spreading fake news. But then we have to acknowledge the people that are doing really good work out there, exposing you know, corruption, showing the truth. And for example, a great example of a citizen journalist, the Center for Medical Progress, the organization that exposed Planned Parenthood for what it really is, in my opinion, you know, it's like a baby aborting mill. They were selling baby body parts for a profit, all caught on undercover video footage, yet uh, not a lot has been done, but Congress is aware of it. And they're probably going to start doing committees and investigations on it. But we're waiting on our attorney general, Jeff Sessions, to to get on in on that. But what the government was doing in California is they're they're going down on the Center for Medical Progress. They're piling up on this organization saying that they're not citizen journalists, so therefore they wouldn't be protected. And so this organization was hit with like 24 counts of, you know, they they just want to send these these people away to jail for years for exposing the truth. Uh, And and another great one would be Project Veritas. Oh, James O'Keefe and the whole pimp situation. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so they, they, James O'Keefe does a lot of great work. He showed us what was happening during the 2016 election cycle where Hillary Clinton operatives were paying people to go start fights at the Donald Trump events. They'd send out people in the Donald Duck outfits and, you know, they'd be instigators. And even though not much was done and the mainstream media tried to cover it up, citizen journalists can only do so much. I mean, we have our platform. Oh, I guess I'm not a citizen journalist. I wouldn't call myself that. But citizen journalists have their platforms and they can only reach as far as, you know, the people that follow them and share their stuff. And so still Americans are so reliant on what the mainstream media tells them. And we know that it's very left leaning. It's some I'd probably say like 90 percent. You don't say. (laughs) Yeah, you don't say it's 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 all. Liberals that are in charge of it, and maybe even the hosts don't even really agree with what they're saying, but they're making so much money that they don't care. Do you think this was, you know, a natural evolution because of, you know, the ability to uh, get information out there to the masses via the Internet? Or do you think it was more of a, you know, a side effect of, you know, the, the lack of care, the you know, the fact that the media has just destroyed the trust of so many people on the left and right. Do you think it was one thing or the other? Or do you think it was a combination of both? You're you're asking why we're seeing this eruption of citizen journalists coming out everywhere and all over social media. You're wondering why it's growing so much. Is that your yeah. question? Uh, I think it's just growing so much just because of technology. I think that that want and need to spread the information was always there, but people didn't know how to get that information out. And just working as a journalist before, I guess, all the tech stuff was out. I had a smartphone when I was working for CBS, my first job as a, a reporter uh, in Arizona. You know, We had cell phones, but we weren't really using them that much. People weren't 
weren't doing it at that time. And so people in my community would reach out to me. They would email me. They would find me on Facebook to let me know about important stories or expose local government corruption or things that were important to them in the community. So in a sense, I think at a national level, it's even more difficult to reach out to people that have influence to share those stories. And there's just so much when it comes to being like part of the mainstream media. I don't think I wouldn't call myself part of the mainstream media because I work for One America News. I think we're a little bit different, uh, especially since we're not forced to spew out liberal propaganda all day. We're allowed to have an opinion and think and accurately report. I would I'm a conservative activist now. So there's just so many areas between being a reporter. I, I at least tell people what I'm doing and what I'm talking about. To me, um, I just want to always put that out there because I don't want to trick the viewers. So when I work on a on the political talk show that I work on, I make sure that people know that this is my opinion and I happen to be a conservative activist. So I think that's important. But when people are watching TV, when they see George Stephanopoulos, he pretends he's this unbiased saint, yet he forgets to mention to people that he used to work for the Bill Clinton uh, administration. So that's kind of important, don't you think? And so that's people need to know who they're getting their news from. They need to know them very well. And a lot of people don't have time for that. Who has time to to study the news people when they're expecting a certain uh, information that nobody has time for that? Is it difficult to kind of, you know, stay on that line between being a conservative commentator and being an objective journalist? Because I feel like. I, it is possible for people to be both. You could be a, you know, you could be an advocacy journalist and say, "Hey, I'm going out and I'm reporting objective news, but this is my bias." And then you have some people that say, "You, you can't be that. You have to be one or the other, or else you have no credibility." What's that like? It's tough because I do. I mean, this is a great example. I do reports. I do tell stories. I get, gather information. But then other times, I'm just giving political commentary. So again, it is kind of confusing, I think. And so that's why. There's so much information out there, and I think that's why people have to be picky, and they need to do their own research. You At the beginning of this show, you said, who can we trust or what can we trust? I don't think any, as an American consuming information, I don't think you can trust anyone. You have to go out and do your own research. Just because I say something or that's my opinion, it doesn't necessarily make it right. I, I do my research, and I try to come up with you know the best information to share to the people that follow me. And, and watch my show. But I encourage people to do their own research if they're really interested in a, in a topic. And when it comes to news, for example, if I go out, if five reporters go out and do one story, they each have their camera, they have their microphone, everyone's going to tell a different story for the same exact story. Everyone's going to have their own angle. Everyone sees things differently. It's like a, if you send five people out with a, a camera to the beach to take a picture we're all going to have different pictures. So every story will be different. And I think that's really important when a journalist goes out, they have to get a lot of interviews. And that's how you balance out a story is by getting all the sides and then sharing it that way. But even when you do that, the way that you write the story and the way that you insert the, the sound and the interview that you have changes everything as well. So it, it's, it's changed a lot. And uh, it is what journalists do is so important. I mean, the mission of a journalist is to keep its citizens informed and also to expose the government to be somewhat of a watchdog 
to keep our officials in check. And it's one of the most important roles, I think, in this country. Yet everything has morphed into we see more political activism than anything. And I think that's very dangerous. Exactly. Folks, we've got to take a quick commercial break. Go ahead and hang on. We'll be right back after this. Join the Rimsay Republic on Patreon today. 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 Take the show on the go by subscribing to the Rimsay Republic on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and YouTube. Don't be left out. Hello, my name is Alex Merced, and I am a libertarian. I invite you to join me in spreading the message of liberty. Come down to alexmerced.com where you can find videos and lots of other media to help educate you about liberty and more. I've also created learneconomicsnow.com as a quick way to show anyone the basics about economics. libertarian101.com, a great starting place to learn what is libertarianism, how to get involved, and how to move things forward. introtheliberty.com where you can learn more about how to spread the message of liberty through positive messaging from people like myself, Larry Sharp, and Michael Pickens. And don't forget libertarianpodcast.com where you can find an exhaustive list of libertarian podcasts for you to enjoy. This is Alex Merced. Follow me on social media such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and more. And thank you very much. It's time to shake up your podcast feed, folks, by subscribing to Lions of Liberty, the only libertarian variety show out there. Spend Mondays with me, Mark Clare, as I feature in-depth interviews with great names in the libertarian community and fun roundtable discussions. Electric Liberty Land with me, Brian McWilliams, every Wednesday, your weekly dose of comedy, culture, and liberty. And Felony Fridays with me, John Odermatt, where I expose injustice in the broken criminal justice system. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at lionsofliberty.com. Hey guys, Tim Preuss here, and I wanted to take a minute and invite you to stop over to PreussPodcast.com and give our show a listen. We've got in-depth commentary on the issues that matter to you. These hookers... <laughs> Fucking whores are out there. These They're... hookers, man, I tell you. Yeah, that's like the most contact I've had with the hooker. Is <laughs> them yelling at them you. yelling at me on Twitter. <laughs> we break down the most pressing issues of our time. This what? large lady with, like, tight clothing on. Not appropriately linked to tight clothing either. And we get the most intelligent analysis from friends of ours, like Jeffrey Tucker. Uh, you pulled over engine trouble, and, and what happened, what happened? Uh, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's, uh, oh, I, oh, God. Seriously, though, we love putting on a show that both entertains and educates. We're growing, and we'd be thrilled if you joined us. Check out PreussPodcast.com for more. That's P-R-E-U-S-S Podcast.com. Yeah.
Folks, welcome back to the program. You're listening to the Remsa Republic. We have our guest, Stephanie Hamill, still on the line. We're going to go ahead and continue our conversation from earlier. Uh, sidestepping real fast, Stephanie, while I got you on the line. Months ago, CNN went ahead and put out this absolutely ridiculous commercial, and it was just pinging through my head as you were bringing up something you mentioned as we were leading into the commercial break. It was you could have a whole bunch of different camera crews from different media outlets at the beach, and you'll get different stories. You know, For example, you have MSNBC. They're going to say, oh, look, everyone at the beach is racist, and then you'll have people like OAN saying this is what's happening at the beach. So it, it's it's a wacky, wacky world. And then you have CNN. They put out this commercial where they showed what, – what was it? Like an apple or a banana. And they were saying, oh, some people will tell you that – and we'll just use apple. I don't remember what the actual fruit was. But they'll say – they'll tell you this apple is a banana. And they'll go ahead and scream out in all caps, banana, banana, banana. But you know it's an apple. And then everyone and their grandmother went ahead and pummeled CNN online. What What do you think – goes through the minds of these people because they don't understand why people are calling them fake news. It's almost like they don't even care to ask, huh, everybody hates me right now. I wonder if I'm doing something wrong for once. Well, it was CNN that did that full report on the Trump two scoops of ice cream. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, yeah, they're wondering why people are criticizing them because they're, they're spewing out fake news all day long. It's like a fake news factory at CNN. And, you know, they pretend to have these, they're, they're, you know, round table of neutral people, but they, for the most part, just bring on conservatives that are hate Trump conservatives. I mean, right now the agenda is pile up on Trump. We hate Trump. And what was it? There's a couple studies that came out in the past few months. It was one by the media research center that said that during the election or even after some like 91 percent of the coverage of all news was negative to Trump. Oh, just, what, what I mean, was, let that, yeah. What let was that yeah. for just a second? Negative <laughs> to Trump. But everything that Obama did was genius and beautiful and amazing. And what a great family. That's fine. But can't they be a little fair? Can't, oh. can't they? Can't they be very, so just like I'm saying that the and for them to put out that stupid commercial of the banana and the apple, they're showing us what they do. That's what they do. That's why they probably came up with that commercial. And they maybe they don't even realize it. No, they have to. What's it called? Pro, what's it called? Projection. When you go ahead and accuse your enemy of something that you're doing. Sounds like Hillary Clinton and <laughs> <laughs> President Trump right now, right? With all the Russia stuff. Exactly. I, I remember I used to work at uh, Newsbusters at the Media Research Center. And back in um, 2016, when you had that jihadist go ahead and take a bus or a truck and mow down like, you know, 50 some odd people, um, instead of, you know, putting on the ticker, you know, truck rampage, it just tells you what was going on in their minds. They CNN went ahead and misspelled truck and they put Trump rampage. So you would have thought that Trump went over to um, you know Nice where this attack happened and he got in a truck and mowed down like 50, 60 people. It's, it's the only thing on their head. I used to think that Trump derangement syndrome was just something that you know became a cool right-wing buzzword. But every day, it's getting to the point where it's like, wow, they will literally justify everything. Take the whole you know, sexual assault situation you have going on right now. People are actually defending Charlie Rose. Yeah. It's, it, it's so, it, it's so <laughs> like, oh, you, every, everyone, everyone that 
accuses anybody of sexual assault has to be taken seriously, except yeah. if it's aimed towards Charlie Rose or anybody else that the liberals like. Yeah, well, I guess I wouldn't even, I think that everyone deserves due process. And for them to just constantly attack Roy Moore, yet when everyone on their side is being accused of the same stuff, and then, then they think that those people deserve due process, that's not how it works. Due process is, you know, it's for everyone, not just for liberals. So the, the treatment that they're giving to Roy Moore, they should be giving them to all the Democrat politicians that are being dragged into this sexual assault stuff and uh, everyone else. I mean, everyone deserves a fair chance. And, you know, this is I think it's what what and it, what's going to happen at the end is that there's there's so many like wolf crying going on right now that real victims of sexual assault are going to suffer because of this. Like it's going to make everything just seem like not a big deal because it's happening so much that all these stories are just going to go under the rug and we're all going to forget about it. I mean, I won't, yeah. but like it's got to water of- down the whole thing. It's the boy mm-hmm. who cried wolf. Exactly. But we'll, we'll see where this goes. I think what's interesting, I think we should put a lot of focus in the uh, sexual uh, harassment going on in Congress and them use on both sides them using our taxpayer dollars to cover it. Yet the victims of sexual harassment or assault had to pay, you know, use their own money to fight against these crooked, disgusting politicians that were skeezing on them. <laughs> so I, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to watch this all unfold. And I, I have a lot of questions about that. I think as a taxpayer, we shouldn't be paying to protect perverts. Besides what, what, and I'm going to curse folks. So go ahead and hide your kids. But what grown ass man does not know that groping women and showing up to your office in your underwear is not necessarily socially acceptable. I'm still trying to process it. It's a good question. I mean, just working, I worked in politics a little bit in Arizona on a, on the campaign trail for a U.S. Senate candidate. Also worked at the legislature. I worked for the vice mayor of Tucson. So I had a lot of interaction with, I guess, people of power and you'll run into a lot of perverts and they're openly perverted, but I mean, it never went very far with me because I would shut it down so fast their heads would spin. (laughs) But you know, I'm not going to go expose everyone. I, of course, I'd been in some uncomfortable situations. I never had anyone run around in front of me naked, but I've had some, you know, we odd conversations and I just kind of step away, shut it down and step away and avoid those people. <laughs> exactly. But but speaking of all of this, I, I think it kind of zeroes down to this one thing with with the media apologism for what we're seeing for these left wing sexual assault. I, I, I can't I can't think of a long enough list of names to go ahead and accuse them all. All these perverts, all these bad people. I'll just go ahead and narrow it down to that. All these bad people, these sick people. It it seems that and I I, I went to Liberty University, so I'm not going to pretend to know, but it just seems that it's very easy to go ahead and say, oh, all these liberals are coming from the same place and they're being funneled to all these different institutions, whether it's academia, policy or the media. When it comes to just, you know, journalism itself, I have met very few conservative journalists. It seems that everyone and I live right, you know, I live in uh, northern Virginia, right outside of the Beltway. It, it seems that every journalist I meet is you know, is a liberal. And they all typically went to Georgetown, NYU, University of Florida. 
and they all kind of come with the same path. It's like, oh, I'm going to go ahead and go to CNN or MSNBC, and maybe I'll end up at The Times or HuffPo or something, and I'm just going to go ahead, and I'm not actually going to ever investigate stories. I'm just going to become a glorified blogger and just report on what other people are reporting. Is is journalism itself, you know, is it kind of run by the left when it comes to, you know, our, our academic institutions, or is it just... You know, it, it, do they at least try and say, OK, if you're going to go out and be a journalist, here are the rules. And there are the students themselves going out and saying, OK, here's I'm going to apply my worldview to everything. What was it like for you? Well, it probably depends on what journalists, um, what, what journalism school you go to at the University of Arizona, the School of Journalism there. I thought they were pretty fair. I think some of my professors were possibly liberal, but they didn't push it on you that hard. Uh, and at the time I wasn't super political. So, you know, just growing up watching, you know, mainstream media, you just don't really know what's, you know, fact or fiction. And you just, we're all learning at that point. And so you're not questioning a lot when it comes to politics and, and, in journalism school, we were more focused on learning how to write AP style for broadcast and, you know, for print and then, and, and how to use the computer and how to edit videos, shoot videos. So we're just getting out there, learning how to approach people for interviews, how to be assertive while out in the field. And I think that was the school that I went to. Maybe in other universities, they might be pushing hard on the liberal agenda and telling their students what's right and what's wrong. I think it would probably be an interesting time to be in journalism school during this during the Trump uh, 2016 election and right now, I'm, I wish I could be a fly on a wall in the classroom to hear what they're talking about. But th- they were pretty fair. In my first newsroom, I would probably say I was more conservative than anyone else in the newsroom. But people didn't have strong political opinions. I just everyone in the newsroom loved Obama. That was <laughs> our, the president at the time. So but they didn't know why they they weren't really politically savvy. And when they would go out and cover some of the city, you know, city government scandals and stuff like that, they just weren't really familiar with the process. The reason I was more familiar with it was because I was super interested in in it. And I had done all those internships and I had worked in politics. So everyone has a different beat, usually in a newsroom. So we had people that were more on the border beat or the crime beat. And as like a regular journalist in the CBS newsroom, like everyone was kind of they would divide the stories based on what you were more interested in. Of course, we all had to do everything. So I I covered so much crime, a lot of crime border stories. I did the political stuff too, the people stories. So I did a little bit of everything, but my passion was politics. And so that's, you know, my goal was always to be a political commentator and have a talk show one day. And those type of things. But everyone else had their own different goals. I think everyone that I went to that I worked with, they've all gone off to work for other news networks in other states, you know, the NBCs, other CBS stations, the local Fox affiliates. Gotcha. So I've only got you for a couple more minutes before we've got to wrap up the show. Just, just real fast. I'm actually originally from Sierra Vista along the um, you know, near the border. And uh, I can only imagine what it was like, you know, covering border crime in Arizona. Did, did you ever have to deal with the cartels or anything? So I lived, when I worked for CBS, it was, I lived right by the border, uh, like Yuma, Arizona. It's okay. an interesting city. It's the lettuce capital of the world. But yeah, a lot of the stories that we covered were immigration related. And 
every time we'd get press releases or stories that were across the border, all of us were like, uh oh. <laughs> you don't uh, wind up like an episode of Breaking Bad. Yeah, I mean, it, is, <laughs> it, it is scary to just to to be a journalist in Mexico, and I think a lot of journalists in Mexico, it's it's hard for them to report the truth. So I'm not going to say that all journalists in Mexico aren't telling the truth, but the ones that do tell the truth have their lives cut short. So, or they're threatened or their families are threatened. Unless is what I've heard. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's hundred percent true in every single case, but you know, that's, that's the, the rumor mill of Mexico are coming from Mexico. And, uh, I had a couple stories. I recall, I went to San Luis, Mexico, right at the border, the Mexican police officers, a few of them were shot and killed by, the drug cartel, uh, I forget which one was the drug cartel of that area that ran the area, but they killed, they killed police officers. They cut off p- pig heads and planted them on sticks across uh. the city. And so I had to go to the funeral of one of the police officers and it was heartbreaking to see this first of all, but second of all, I was like, am I going to get shot for being at this funeral? Like I'm here to report on what's happening, but you're constantly afraid of what's going to happen to you when you're out there because you are a target. If you have a camera, you're a target. And I mean, that's just one story. I have so many stories where you didn't know if you were going to make it back to the newsroom (laughs) or if you were going to piss somebody off because you did a story they didn't like. One time I was followed for a few days, actually. It was frightening because I was reporting on the truth on what was going on in a courtroom for a murder trial. And I'm assuming it was the person who confronted me at court who started shouting at me, calling me all these bad names because they basically perjured themselves. So that's not my fault. I'm just telling the truth. It's on video. Like you can hear their voice. So anyways, those are the fun times (laughs) of being a reporter. But yeah, now I now now I'm not. Sometimes I get sent out in the field. Um, I guess one of the recent stories I did was the Trump border wall prototypes, which is super fascinating to see these giant 30 foot walls, actual walls of cement, not just fence. But um, I'm most most of the time right now I'm just in a studio, which I think is the big problem with the mainstream media. We have all these people that are sitting at desks that haven't been out in public for like 20 years. (laughs) They just sit behind their desks and you probably get direction from their news directors. So they don't know they're totally out of touch with regular everyday Americans. They hang out with their rich friends or, you know, like hobnobbing and I don't know where, like the Hamptons or something. <laughs> Wherever they're going to film the, oh, wait, I forgot House of Cards was canceled. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on the program. Wish we can go ahead and talk more about that. But, you know, but before we kind of close things off, I mean, you covered so much. There, there should be risk. There should be, a, you know, a pursuit of truth. There should be people that actually want to go out and, you know, cover stories, whether they're part of, you know, the, the traditional media outlets or whether they're citizen journalists. When it, when it comes to the new future of today's media, environment are you optimistic or are you pessimistic for the way things are going uh i'm always i I guess i'm optimistic but it's everything's always changing we don't know what the landscape's going to be like 10 years from now or five years from now but there are a lot of people like me that are going to continue to fight for the truth um i'm conservative activist so i'm always going to to push my cause and i'm not going to give give up on that so I guess it just kind of depends on everyone else. And I, I hope to see more citizen journalists that are doing good work, like 
some of the people that I had mentioned earlier in the show, like Project Veritas and the Center Center for Medical Progress. So we need more of those people. Exactly. Stephanie, if people want to watch your show on OAN and, you know, catch up with you on social media and everything else, how could they do so? Well, on Twitter, which I'm pretty active on Twitter, it's Steph M. Hamill, H-A-M-I-L-L. I do have an Instagram account and a Facebook account. If you just type in Stephanie Hamill, you can find me there. As for OANN, we air, uh, we're a national network, so we air all over the place on a bunch of different carriers, but I guess our main one's DirecTV. So if you just go into OANN where to watch, you can find out um, all the channels and all our different carriers to see which one works for you. Perfect. Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on the program tonight. Thank you. Folks, I really hope that you enjoyed you know this whole conversation with Stephanie, but the one thing I really want to carry home tonight is that everything has to come back to action. For a while, you know, I told people I'm not a journalist. I wasn't doing journalism type things. And then when I started to, you know, I I truly began to see the, um, the inside of how things work. And I've, I've got to thank each and every one of you that, you know, you read my pieces, you share my work, you provide insight. Some of you are my sources. You know, God bless you folks, because God knows I would not get far without the information and the work you guys are able to put into this. But please go ahead and do me a favor. Please, 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 please. I cannot emphasize this enough. These type of enterprises, this type of project, what we do at Team Republic, me, um, producer Ryan, the whole team, we can literally disappear overnight. But thanks to a small number of you that are financially supporting us, you're making this happen. You can go ahead and drop us uh, a one-time donation through PayPal on our website. You can even get exclusive content, signed books, awesome swag, and a whole bunch of other premium content by joining our Patreon program at www.patreon.com slash Republic for as low as $1 a month. And hey, if you want to make sure you could uh, you know, help us out but have no trace going back to you in case you're afraid people will hate you because you support me, well, hey... We accept cryptocurrencies ranging from Ethereum, Bitcoin, Litecoin, you name it, I'll take it. Everything helps and comes back to us. As always, go ahead and consider leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. You guys know how the internet works. And as always, be good to your neighbor, go out and treat yourself a bit, and come back next week, America. I'm Remster W. Martinez. Good night. Stay up to date with the latest news and updates by visiting remzorepublic.com. Hey, this is Lloyd Bailey, the Armed Lutheran, host of the Armed Lutheran radio podcast, reminding you that the podcast you're listening to is a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Check out all the great content at selfdefenseradio.net. It's true.